Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. It forces them to play deadly children's games. So they'll play like, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, crossover, uh, and then and then they say stop. And if you happen to be moving, they they mow you down with a machine gun. Um, <laughs> so it's kinda like it's kinda oh like uh God. you know, Hunger Games kind of stuff, or, but um uh, it, it's violent but uh, oddly gripping. <laughs> this is the only uh, podcast in America where the words mow you down with a machine gun will be followed by a cockling laugh. <laughs> the Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that uh, was those wild and crazy critics, Oliver Jones of Observer.com and Jason Fraley of WTOP, who are always happy to make fun of this podcast. Uh, this is the podcast that tries to keep you up on the ever-changing world of entertainment. I'm Arch Campbell with Lou Katz, who is producing and directing. That's it. Waving the worldwide headquarters. Waving my arms of- all over the place. Directing. Cat's podcast (laughs) system headquarters there. And uh, Lou and I are very excited because uh, our guest today includes Susan Wazena, one of my favorite people, formerly the senior critic of USA Today and now writing for Gold Derby. Hello, Susan. Hello, Susan. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And I I know you are excited to get this going because our guest is also Bill Newcott, who is the entertainment critic for the Saturday Evening Post. And uh, before we started, Susan immediately started wanting to know what Bill liked at the Toronto Film Festival (laughs) because he's just back. So... So let's pose Susan's question and I'll get out of the way. Bill, how was Toronto? No, the, the, it was fine. The lots of, it was very dark because it was, <laughs> I was in a movie theater. It was uh, <laughs> ten, 10 days and oh. I, I always set up myself for like, like going theater to theater to theater. So I, I, in theory, I can see 30 movies or so, but it usually comes out to be about 20. And I, I saw 20 films and this is... Oh. Without a doubt, this was my highest batting average of movies I really liked this year. Ordinarily, wow. you schedule some, and, and they're just kind of time fillers. But I'm telling you, I I really liked almost every movie I saw. Yeah, well, I think so that was good news. we're out from COVID land, and it helps that people are going back to movies again. So I think know. so. And also, and I, I went last year, and last year they had this weird sort of uh, they 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 limited the theaters to twenty percent capacity, and everyone was worried. And 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 maybe that whole theater vibe wasn't quite back yet, but it definitely was this year. Okay, so. well, the movie I most I hope you saw, and I I think you probably did, is the Fable. The Fableman. The Fableman. Exact the same thing. I'm there. Well, That's I have Spielberg a Spielberg movie. I have a new favorite Steven Spielberg movie because that that is it. I yeah. loved the Fablemans. Well, I'm hoping, like, he, stupid Weinstein, you know, he should have won uh, Best Picture for Private Ryan. I, yeah. But then yeah. Weinstein mm-hmm. yeah. had this, you know, he had magic over, you know, <laughs> voters and, Power, you know, probably. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the, the Fablemans is so... So it's a, it's. I mean, the the focus of the movie is so small. It's the story. It's his story. It's, it's autobiographical. Right. I don't know why he, why he changed the names. 
because you know here are his sisters and these are Steven Spielberg's <laughs> sisters and here are the parents and here are his parents yeah. um uh, the, the only character who actually keeps his name in the movie is John Ford uh in 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 one of the best final scenes of any movie you'll ever see and and who plays Stephen uh, David David Lynch plays John Ford in the movie the director <laughs> They're, they don't have that much in common. Do they? No, they don't. They don't. But he's, he's a, brilliant. I take it it's the story of a young boy who discovers he wants to be a filmmaker and he's growing up in sort of a, uh, of a dysfunctional family or his parents' marriage is uh, not good. This is absolutely wrong. You're, <laughs> you're wrong. Perfect. He made he, he it's it's a Steven Spielberg family movie. Everyone uh-huh. loves each other. Oh, there are marital problems, and and actually the end of the end of it is is how many many marriages end up. However, there's uh-huh. affection among all the characters, whether they stay married or whether they don't or what whatever. They 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 always um they're good people. The whole the whole film is populated by sweet. It it it's how we like, I think we like to look back on our own childhoods. You know, uh-huh. the, we look past the real pain and, and, and just try to remember what was good about all these people. Um, yeah, he, he, it's played, um, little Sammy. It's, it's played by two different guys, a little, a little kid who's just adorable and primarily by an older actor, uh, whose name is escaping me now, but he, he's not someone we've seen. The parents, his parents played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. And, and they are, yeah. In many ways, the central characters of the film, particularly the mom. You dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. Uh, the, the dad is, a, is, a, is an engineer. He doesn't understand his son's creative inclinations. Mom is, is um, creative to a fault. She's, she's barely based in reality in many ways. And, and so he, gets this, he has a sort of balance of the, of the two of them. Um, and I tell you what, when I, when I started watching this movie... From this first scene, the first scene is at a theater in New Jersey, and they're taking him to see the greatest show on earth, D.W. Griffith's film. Yeah, yeah. And it must be, it is the film that, that formed Spielberg's love of, of film. And he shows in its entirety the train crash scene from the greatest show on earth. Oh, wow. Um, but the, in fact, he kind of shows it twice. And then, mm. and then the, little, the little kid re- reenacts it with his train set at home as he's, as he's making films. That's the uh, famous one where the circus train derails and all yes. the animals get yes. loose. And, yeah, and yeah. Charlton screaming. Charlton, what was his name? Charlton Heston. Oh, the Heston. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was the, the in charge. Yeah. <laughs> the, no, people get mad because um, they find High Noon should have won that year, but I like that film. It is a good film. I, I just, I just got a. 4k restoration of it and i enjoyed it mm-hmm. um anyway the thing is i would say from the first frames of that movie and he's standing outside the theater talking to his kids his parents and they're trying to talk him into going to the movie because he, he thinks he's going to be scared i was feeling like tears in the back of my eyes from the first frame of this film and i, I don't know exactly why huh. maybe to some degree it's because i grew up as a little kid in new jersey where the film mm-hmm. starts loving movies and 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 there there are parallels between him and and an old friend of mine who who loved to make films. He gets his first a uh, Bolex movie camera, and I remember like yesterday, my friend getting his first Bolex movie camera mm-hmm. and his little uh, Grundig sound recorder. Uh, it's <laughs> funny to see the parallels between people who who grow up loving film or grow up, grow up loving making film. 
Mm. What uh, else did you like, though? I tell you what, the movie that um, it ha- doesn't have a release date yet. It's a film. It's a, fr- a French film called Paris Memories, mm-hmm. um, and it is based on the. Um, uh, remember, a few years ago, there were there was a, a terrorist attack in multiple restaurants in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. And this is uh, the story of a woman who was in one of those restaurants when the attack happens uh, and how it affects her and how it affects her relationships and how she uh, bonds with people who were through a similar uh, event. Uh, it's powerful. It is really human and really, um, uh, I mean, you, you kind of, you're in that, you know, thank God I've never been in that kind of position and statistics tell me I won't be. However, it's, it, it puts you there. Yeah. And and you just totally relate to the characters. I it, it's probably maybe the best film that is I it, saw in Toronto. Is it going to be? Is that well? As you know, Toronto is a, is a market. People. Oh, no, no, to, no. I yeah. yeah, no, yeah. And and so they don't. I don't think they have a distributor yet in this yeah. country. No, I I made it my thing to go to Toronto because they have junkets there. And then mm-hmm. I realized, I mean, I'm from Buffalo, so I know Toronto very oh, wow, well. Yeah. And I went for years there. And it, I said, don't just go to the junkets. Those weren't the movies in the festival. They just, you know, the studios wanted Yeah, they to, were piggybacking. Right. But I said, and that was the year when um, Kevin Spacey, the movie. Oh. Dances with Wolves? Oh, no, no. Sam, no. Different Sam, Kevin. No, Sam, Kevin. Yeah, same Sam Mendes I got to talk to, and I was kind of, you know, but he was a, he was just a, he, he was just a, a person. He, he just was very low key. And, you know. This I, is one of the nice things about Toronto is, yeah. is the, the, the filmmakers do make it a point um, to sort of at least spend a little time with, with, us regular folks. Yeah. I'm just getting a sense that the Fablemans is already getting the word of mouth and that it will probably be the movie this year. Yes. And it's the one I'm interested in. It's it's what Susan wants to see. And it's the first thing that came uh, from the top of your uh, mind. So. uh, Well, I'm telling you, worth the price of admission is David Lynch mm -hmm. as John Ford in the last 10 minutes of this movie. Wow. (laughs) Way till you get a load of him. He's fantastic. But I, I have John to put a word Ford. in uh, for a film that I saw in Toronto that is now in the theaters. Um, Moon Age Daydream, the David mm. Bowie bi- biography. I was never a huge David Bowie fan. I, I appreciated everything that he did. Um, but this, this is a really, really good, good uh, movie. Uh, Speaking of movies in theaters, I want to bring uh, Blonde into the uh, discussion because uh, it played in theaters for a week and now it's about to go to, uh, what's it going to go to? Netflix, I think. Yeah. Anna de Armas as uh, Marilyn Monroe. Have either either of you seen it? Yeah, yeah. But it's there. I know it by reputation only. Well, but I it's, at, it, it's got like an X rating or something, right? It, it is X rated. I yeah. saw it. I went, I, <gasps> I went out. You dirty man. Did you, <laughs> did you wear a trench coat arch? Did you, uh, 
have sunglasses? Had that hat I went pulled down over the, your eyes? To the MPAA, the Motion Picture oh. Producers Association, got dressed up, went downtown to watch it. And it strikes me uh, as kind of another variation on Elvis, the other wacky movie of the year that's sort of a wacky, dreamlike LSD telling of uh, an iconic person's life of the 1950s. And my, my capsule review is, uh, besides it being, uh, it's NC-17. It's not, uh, I, do they have X-rating anymore? No, it's NC-17. I'm just old school, so I go. Marilyn lolls around without her clothes on uh, yeah. a lot. Uh, and Anna de Armas is is a very beautiful uh, and and fine actress, and she does kind of channel Marilyn. And in several films, they recreate her iconic scenes. They recreate, of course, the uh, skirt blow from the Seven Year Itch, and they recreate uh, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, and uh, some of them. You can't even tell whether you're watching the real thing or not. But basically, in general, it's too long and it goes over the top. And uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, I got a hint of that. It's it, way too long. It's, it feels like it was like three hours long. I felt really? like I came out the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Some movies are like that, yes. But... And there is a scene where she meets John Kennedy that just kind of, it's like, okay, I'm done. That's it. Okay. Oh, well, really? I, I like the Elvis guy, and I think he's going to get yeah. nominated. Yeah. But I disliked Tom Hanks so oh, much as the colonel. So he was awful. horrible. Yeah. Horrible. May I may I disagree? <laughs> I, 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 oh, no. I went in, <laughs> I say, okay, I'm going to hate. For the first time, we're like, we're going to hate Tom Hanks. And then I went in there and I said, oh, okay, I get it. I'm okay with this. Why? Why do I, the Bad accent? Bad accent? Is that the problem? Bad accent. A lot of blubber. Oh. He wasn't even, all I just saw was this Batman with a weird accent. And I, I'm like, why is he doing this? This is not good for him. So. And uh, Yeah, I agree. And also, after a while, too long and just just got too, just, you know, too much. But the difference between Elvis and Blonde is Elvis got so silly at times and Tom Hanks was so bad at times that it was kind of enjoyable. <laughs> well, yes, you know? sometimes you can, you know, hate watch things. <laughs> this, may, this may be the year of the over-the-top biography because... Yeah. By far the biggest sensation at Toronto mm -hmm. was weird. The Al Yankovic. That's what oh, I want to see. I want to see wait. that. I and I, I tell you what, I showed up an hour and a half early and uh -huh. could not get into the theater to see it. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, however, <laughs> by, by all accounts, it is absolutely hilarious. Now who plays Weird Al? Um, uh, uh, um, Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry oh, Potter. wow. Yeah. And, and uh, just everyone who I managed to talk to said, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's a send up of movie, uh, uh, movie biographies where he, you know, he's, he's, everyone discourages him to start. You can't make a living writing parody songs, you know, and then he does it, but then he becomes a big star. And then he has uh -huh. an affair with Madonna. Do I know you? Madonna. 
I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. He turns rotten and he hates everybody and everybody hates him and he hits rock bottom. And it's all completely made up, but it's, uh -huh. you know, it, it's just supposed to be fantastic. <laughs> Let me sag over to Susan real quick and just uh, get you started on what you've been watching lately and what you like. Well, I got sent um, a link to a documentary about um, Sinead O'Connor mm. last night. So I watched that and I enjoyed it very much because I liked her so much, but she was a controversial Person. I had booked her on Saturday Night Live. She blows the candle out, she goes off stage. I had gone into the dressing room after her and I said, you know, I can't get you out of this. And she said, you know what, I don't want you to. It was well done. And the other, and that is coming out this week on Showtime. And you can, um, if you have it, it, it'll come like at the end of the week. So. And you mentioned uh, Sydney. The uh, Oprah-produced yes. uh, documentary on Sidney Poitier. I love him. I watched it so much. You don't know. Every time I got in the car when the song was playing, I had to sing along with it because I love Lulu too. <laughs> oh, to serve with love. Yes, of yes. course. To serve with love. I was completely drawn in by Sydney because it starts, I don't know when they did the last interview with him, but uh, he's in the center of the film. He's an older man and he starts telling the story of his life. And whenever he is on screen talking about his life, right. you can't take your eyes off. No, no. It's just it's terrific. My life has had more than a few wonderful, indescribable turns, and I have lived them. I got a couple of bumps. Oprah and uh, one of the Hudland brothers directed it. Yeah. They put a lot of other voices in. They put Robert Redford in, right. and they put Barbara Streisand in. Right. Uh, because she went into some sort of a partnership with him. And of course, Oprah has a big, tearful moment. And I didn't like those moments. I thought they were detracting. Oh, I don't even remember that. <laughs> I was focused on the guy. And I, I also love Lilies of the Field. That, that's another one. I, I'm nuts for non-films. I'm just telling you. And it, it was very... <laughs> Uh, honest. It, it yeah. uh, discussed Poitier's career and how he was so big and so hot uh, until the end of the 70s. And then uh, the world kind of changed and he, uh, he sort of faded into the background and uh, went behind the camera. But he did direct too. He did. Yes. He, he went into a partnership for a lot of movies and I noticed they very conveniently um, edited out Bill Cosby, who was involved yeah. in a lot. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Uptown Saturday Uptown night. Saturday those, night. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, 
Oh, there was somebody else in there. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, this guy named Cosby. They just, they kind of papered <laughs> over that. Did you, have you seen it, uh, Bill? Sydney? I have not. It, it, I was out of Toronto. I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, it, it'll be there. It, it's, it's on Apple TV. Apple TV and really uh, good, right from the yeah. word go. Coming up at the end of next month, I saw from Toronto, is Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues. It's a documentary mm. about Louis Armstrong, and it is... Yeah. It's a documentary? It's a documentary, and they, they have... He recorded hundreds and hundreds of hours of personal history, and they, they take you into this house he wow. lived in in Queens, and the line, they're still lined with the tapes, and they play them, and it's, it's a fantastic story. Everyone knew there was a sad, you know, behind that smile and that ebullient personality, there was some... There was sadness and tragedy and the, the things he had to do to make it as a young uh, artist. And it gets into all that. It's tuneful and a lot of fun. I, um, and and you know, fun when it's supposed to be fun and sad when it's right. supposed to be. Uh, really, really good. It's opening in, in late October. Uh, theaters only or you think uh, online? I think that one's going online. Mm-hmm. So we'll look for it. Yeah. Any other highlights from Toronto? Oh, um, uh, Living with Bill Nighy. Yeah, I love oh. him. I told him because that one um, movie with Kate Blanchett where he she cheats on him. Mm-hmm. I said, and with a, a student, and I forgot. Yeah. And I think Judy Dunch is in there too. I forget the name. But I just, that year when I went to a party and he was there, I said, I would never leave you <laughs> for a teenage boy. <laughs> and he gave me a big, big hug. <laughs> oh, that's good. I was afraid he'd back towards the door and leave right? and get out of there really fast. Well, he's in a film called Living, and it's a remake of Akira Kurosawa's Ikuru, mm. a story of a, a, um, a, a city bureaucrat who is very officious and, and has no life of his own. And right at the end of his career, he gets obsessed with the idea of building a playground for local wow. kids oh um, it's it's wow. a it's yeah. a kuru's most gentle film and you'd say this is a bad idea to remake a really a classic that stands up as it does even now but i tell you what nai is so good uh and and the film it doesn't it doesn't really i mean it's almost shot for shot i think in many ways uh but it's a wonderful wonderful film and and that's opening at christmas well, now you go to to Toronto almost every year. I do, and I want to ask you to compare twenty twenty two to like uh, the last normal year, twenty nineteen. Where are we? Really close, really mm-hmm. close. Oh, and and I, 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 there has been, I think, a back still. We still have a little bit of that backlog of films that were made, and uh, we're you know. Distributors don't know exactly what to do with films. They're going to put them in theaters, and so they've been kind of holding them back. So the percentage, I think, of really first-rate, not experimental or not you know first-time filmmaker films, was pretty high this year. So I think, as I said, I, I think the percentage of outstanding films is was considerably higher this year than others. I guess I saw twenty-two or twenty-three films and liked almost all of them. Oh. I I have to confess, I didn't like um, Steven Spielberg's. Um, um movie last year um the um yeah <laughs> how was, soon we forget I know. <laughs> and that I'm, and that shows exactly why it wasn't any good i'm gonna right. rename this podcast <laughs> what was that title again? 
was that guy again? No. <laughs> West Side Story, for God's sake. Oh, West Side Story. Oh, of course, West oh, Side yeah. Story. I didn't think, I, I, he did an okay job, but it wasn't, I mean, except for um, the woman who won the Oscar, she was terrific, but mm -hmm. there were scenes like, I, I saw um, the guy, um, the boy that loved the girl, um, you could see him wiggling Tony. as he died. And it was like he was moving around like a worm. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> well, and he uh, moved uh, I Feel Pretty around. Yeah, and so, I didn't think uh, it worked. Uh, Tony kills the brother. And then uh, I Feel Pretty. Go and, you know, it, it sort okay. of ruined it. Does Tony sing I Feel Pretty? That would... Yeah, that would work. <laughs> After he killed no, us. I was singing it in my couch. <laughs> hey, I have to mention, I'm sorry, I keep thinking that I keep having Toronto flashbacks, mm. but I have to mention The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm mm. going to see that right. in the middle of the yeah. are you going to are you coming. He's oh, is coming. he? Oh, yeah. well, mm. uh, well, he's making his victory lap this year yeah. uh, on yeah. this film. Because, I mean, as you know, there's a lot of goodwill towards him. At yeah. the moment, because Hollywood feels like he's sort of mistreated for the past decade or so, yeah. and he is brilliant in the way I, I think you know he's he's probably the other competition for best actor. Right, he's um, someone really struggling terribly with his weight, mm -hmm. and he's he's a he's a and, professor who just does long distance learning, and he tells his patient his uh, students the uh, his camera's broken all the time. It's a play. It is very much a play, and it's based on a play. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of people coming in and slamming doors and having it out with them, and then they leave. And a daughter comes. It's a relationship with his daughter. It's uh, it's not extremely cinematic. It's it's pretty claustrophobic, and I guess that gets to a little bit to the way of a, his life is claustrophobic because he's in this these four walls. Um, not a great great movie, but he is wonderful. He's just totally committed to the role. Why why was he mistreated over the last 10 years? I really uh, Brendan Fraser, what was his uh, Well, complaint? I think because he wasn't the young hunk anymore. He yeah. kind of went through what so many women go through in Hollywood where he couldn't play that that hunky young guy anymore. Mm -hmm. And because he was so chiseled and handsome when he lost that and he think he had health problems as well that that, that led to it. Yeah. Um that uh People started just making fun of him, and it was he was kind of a joke for a while, and it was really tragic. I want to mention two streaming things that I went to because of the Emmys, and one is The Dropout, which won an Emmy for Amanda Seyfried on Hulu, and the story of Elizabeth Holmes, the uh, woman who said she had technology to diagnose everything wrong with you if you just give one drop of blood. And it turned out to be a scam. Uh, have it, and she won the Emmy. It's, it's uh, one of Amanda Seyfried's uh, greatest moments. It's just, uh, she's just wonderful hmm. uh, as the villain. Uh, uh, either of you? I have not seen. No. I I just I cannot I'm recommending it to everybody I know. It's eight episodes, and it's it's the story of how a young person can snow several uh, old men. There's a subplot involving um, 
a former uh, a former government official who's uh, drawn in uh, to uh, her scheme and uh, and it breaks uh, the uh, the government man's family uh, apart. Uh, so that's uh, quite good. And the other is Dope Sick, which won the Emmy for Michael Keaton. Yeah. Both of those are on Hulu. Yeah. And uh, Keaton plays uh, a, a doctor in Appalachia who uh, begins investigating the um, opioid crisis and then gets hooked himself. Wow. And uh, it's quite a uh, a story of of the the victims of uh, opioids uh, set off against the story of the Sackler family mm -hmm. who were pushing them relentlessly. Yeah. And even toward the end, uh, the head of the Sackler family, even the other being uh, sued and investigated, uh, he has a line where he says, um, have we, how, where are we on children's oxycontin? <laughs> is that awful or what so I, so how much is hulu going to send me back a month now because I, I don't have that yeah one. well they went up what is yeah. it like 11 14 something like that do i look like i had that kind of money <laughs> for, all these, <laughs> for all these stations i well, still call them stations that's how far back i go you know, I thought about downgrading or dropping it, and then I saw these two uh, home runs. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, just when you, when it's like the Godfather. <laughs> just when I'm out of there, they pull me back in. Well, can I? I I love uh, reality shows, so I love Survivor, and it's back, and it's on tonight. And then Amazing Race follows right behind it. And it's like, oh, my gosh, why didn't they do this before? <laughs> oh, my. And network television. Right. Network free, kind of. <laughs> Either of you watch uh, Abbott Elementary? Yes. Have you seen any of those episodes? That's awfully good, too, no, it's, on ABC. Yeah, it's very sweet and nice and funny. So, yeah. Well, you, can, you, you guys live in the city. You could have an antenna. And get your <laughs> I don't live in the city. I live kind of on the, you know, the suburbia. I'm wondering why Washington. I have cable, period. But yeah. uh, speaking of periods and cables and things like that, let's uh, toss it over to Lou Katz in Worldwide Headquarters to remind us that we come to you on Hound Radio, as well as many other platforms. We have a lot of platforms, Apple and iTunes and iCloud. And We're all over the SoundCloud. place. SoundCloud. <laughs> now, you know, Hound Radio, big fans of dogs, obviously, and we have our World of Dogs feature every week. Here's the latest. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. If you have kids, you know the stage. They don't listen. They want to do what they want to do, not what you ask them to do. They're teenagers. Well, dogs may go through a similar adolescent phase with typical teenage behavior. During that awkward puppy to adult dog transition, usually from six to nine months, you may find your dog is not as obedient as before and maybe shows a bit more separation anxiety. It's a normal part of growing up and will pass. 
So no matter how frustrating those terrible teens are, don't get discouraged. Keep training. Before you take them out or put down their food, ask for a sit and wait them out. As soon as they do it, reward them with a walk or their food. Provide fun activities like a dig pit or a food puzzle. Take extra long walks and visit the dog park to let them work out their exuberance. And remember, there's light and a well-behaved dog at the end of the tunnel. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. So, Bill, you've told us from Toronto that you really like the Fablemans and uh, Living and mm-hmm. Weird. And uh, there was one other show you uh, you mentioned. Uh, That's 15 minutes ago, Arch. I, I, don't, <laughs> I can't go back there. Well, have you noticed, though, like now titles of movies are just like one word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they can't be bothered to maybe <laughs> the adjective in. Let's call it something. movie. Give them numbers. <laughs> so, Susan, you're about to go to Middleburg, which is a wonderful festival in our area. And what what's your what's your list? What is it you want well, to see? Like I said, Brendan Fraser is going to be there with uh, the whale, mm. and um, Noah Baumbach. He. Um, oh yeah. The Don DeLeo um, novel, White Noise, and Greta Gerwig, his, you know, partner. Is, Love her. Yeah. And um, what else? Oh, and then we're going to see Glass Onion, A Knives Out oh, in the Street. Oh, I loved it. Yes. It's even better. I heard it's better than even It's the better than the first one. It is but fantastic. No, Christopher. No, 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 no. But oh. it, it's only... Uh, uh, Daniel Craig, he's the only repeat character in the whole movie. Oh, really? What yeah. a shame. Yeah. One time I was sent out to Wolf Trap for something, and uh, I was supposed to interview Christopher Plummer. And he was standing in the back of the theater, and uh, I think a performance was going on, or it was a, a musical rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And so... I just stood there and talked to him because we, the camera wasn't set up and we, we weren't where we were supposed to be for. And uh, it was just uh, the, the greatest moment of kismet. And it helped that I had seen him as Iago in Othello, oh. which is probably the greatest performance I ever saw in my life. So that that opening line helped. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. I, I had a Christopher Plummer moment in Toronto like uh-huh. five years ago, just before he, he were, there's an empty seat next to me and there's a reception going on. And he says, comes to me and says, is that seat taken? I said, no, you can sure just sit down. <laughs> and then we talked for about 15 uh-huh. minutes and just, it, just, just the most unassuming you know, guy. That's, that's a nice story. Speaking of great performances, <laughs> I want to take a minute to remember Louise Fletcher, who died yeah. recently at the age of 88 and turned in that amazing performance as Nurse Ratchet and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She voted now. Will you please turn the television set on? Mr. McMurphy, the meeting was adjourned and the vote was closed. The vote was 10 to 8. The chief, he's got his hand up. Look. No, Mr. McMurphy. When the meeting was adjourned, the vote was 9 to 9. I wish we had seen more of her after Cuckoo's Nest. Because she was such a... Was she a stage actress? Primarily, or why, why did she not? Uh, she dropped a out film? to raise her children. Oh. She was an actress. And then I think she got uh, divorced. And uh, uh, after 
One flew over the cuckoo's nest. She never really found a role that could match that. She, uh, she did television before that. But after Cuckoo's Nest, she just went on and did, uh, you know, I think she did the Exorcist uh, sequel. Mm. Uh, Mama Dracula was one of hers. Firestarter, <laughs> she was in that. Wait, Mama Dracula? Mama Dracula. <laughs> Mama <laughs> somehow, Mia. <laughs> I, somehow I missed that. <laughs> I missed Dracula. <laughs> so... Uh, but wow, what what a uh, what a performance is Nurse Hollywood Ratched. is so unfair to women. It it makes me angry. It really does. Someone of that like an actor of that caliber, just because they take a few years off to do the mm-hmm. right thing, can't come back. It's it's really a shame. Any any other thoughts on Louise Fletcher? Just I love the way that Nurse Ratchet. Uh, seeped into the uh, into the lexicon. You right. know, you go to a <laughs> hospital and you don't like somebody. Suddenly, they're Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> so uh, we're getting down to the uh, nibs here. Yeah. Uh, what should we recommend for the weekend, Bill? What What are you looking forward to? Uh, if you can get to see the the David Bowie movie, which is in theaters now, mm-hmm. please do. Um, there is the, there's also another movie opening this week called the greatest beer run ever, which yeah. sounds like a fantastic movie. It's not a fantastic movie. No, it's, it, no, just, it, it's a misfire from the it, first it, it, frame. Okay. It has a 20 score on whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, oh. Tomatoes. And oh my. So Susan, I do what like you... the Farrelly's. I always did. They were always good to me. So. What, what are you recommending for this weekend, Susan? Oh, this weekend. Um, I would watch the um, Showtime um, Sinead Connor documentary. Mm. And I'm going to give a shout out to The Dropout on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, you'll get your $14 worth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the judge of that, Art. Well, they're all going up and then just discovery thing. I don't know what's going to. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm so confused. Somebody's I don't know what to do. Gonna make a lot of money, but it's not us. So. Uh, <laughs> well, that that is a good way to end this show. I just I want to thank Susan Mazena of uh, GoldDerby.com and uh, Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post. And uh, it's always great fun speaking with both of you, Lou Katz. Thank you. I'm Arch Campbell, and we'll be back in about two weeks. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.